Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Right, folks, we're looking at the last of our series in Daniel today, and that is politics and the people of the palace. The politics and the people of the palace. Now, many people say they don't like politics. It's a dirty game. All right, you can't trust politicians. If you call somebody a politician, it's kind of a bad word. But as we'll see, every one of us seated here are actually politicians at heart. Right? You may say, well, not me. Well, let's reserve judgment until the end. As we understand what politics is, of course, we're going to look at it also in the book of Daniel. So what is politics? It's the science of government. There's people governing each other, right? It comes from the Greek word politica, which means the affairs of the cities. The affairs of the cities. The Greek word uh, for city is polis, polis, right? So it's the affairs of the city. So how did um, politics originate? Well, we know people lived in clusters. Eventually, they had to take some decision about how to govern themselves, how to run this uh, group of people. And eventually, they chose leaders, they developed laws, everybody had to contribute, that's taxes, and eventually politics emerged. So when you think of it, it's part of the normal structure of a human society. Now, we know that people lived in smaller groups because there were just fewer of us before. We could lump everybody in a region together and put them in a village. Village became a town, a city, a state. And of course, that's why we have even countries. A lot of people getting together. So we have politics that used to kind of be used to run a village, a town, a state, country. And now we have international politics. So to say that we're not interested in politics, that's like saying, well, I'm not uh, interested in the affairs that directly affect my life. We should be interested in politics, but from the prop, from a proper perspective. Now, when you see international politics, all that you're seeing happening, provincial level, state level, international level, is all the shenanigans of people in their personal, private capacities. It's just been amplified. So whatever people are like privately and personally in small groups, when you put them together in big groups, political parties, they behave in the same way. So if you look at politics, it's really just a system of human relationships where people are, to a certain extent, exercising their will, managing their resources for personal interest, okay, for communal gain. That's all it is. Now, let's look at all the different ways that we are political. And then we can come to the conclusion, I hope, that in fact we are by nature political. It starts when we're toddlers. When we're toddlers, we start practicing, all right, for the presidency. It doesn't take us long when we're toddlers to become the presidents, okay, not of the whole country, but at least of our homes. So you're going to be able to manipulate the rebel. So you soon find out as a toddler who holds power, who thinks they hold power, the dad or the mom. If the first word that comes out of your mouth 
is mama. Like you're going to get that woman to do anything for you. If it's dada, the man's going to do anything. But, and if it happens to be the dad that controls the power in the house, and you say dada, all right, that's it. You rule the dad who rules the house, and it could, could be the other way, okay? It could be the mama that controls. So anyway, you want something, all you have to say in your cutest baby voice with your big baby eyes, mama. And like, that's the end of the argument. Mom says what the baby wants is what the baby needs. Get it for dad, okay? That's the way we start out in the womb. So um, one of the Greek politicians, Themistocles, I think, he was a leader at some point in time. He was speaking to his friend and he says, my young son, now his son's like in nappies. He says, my son rules the whole of Greece. His friend said, well, that's a little bit impossible, but please explain. So he says, well, the way it works is this. Athens is the chief city of Greece. Athens decides what happens in Greece. I rule Athens. My wife rules me. And the baby rules the wife. So in actual fact, the baby rules the whole of Greece. And isn't that true <laughs> in, uh, in our homes? If you don't believe it's true, I'll tell you what, when your child cries and they demand attention, and they say they're hungry, let them go for five minutes, and you say, you're not the boss of me. You'll soon see that the child is the boss of you. Then we come to playground politics, all right? So you're having a party, and you've got your eye on somebody being your best friend, and you're going to leverage your party, this grand social event of yours, to get political influence. So you say to somebody, listen, do you want to come to my party? We're going to have this, that, that. And of course the person says, this is the party of the year. I can't miss out on it. And after you get the person to commit, you say, and by the way, I'm not inviting so-and-so, so I don't want you to be their friend anymore. Oh, and if you want to come to my party, you may not. You're my best friend, but you're not their friend. Do we get this clear? And the person says, yes. And then you say, well, I'm going to be checking you out over the next few weeks leading up to this big social event. If you show me your allegiance, you are invited to my party, but if not, the invitation's cancelled. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a six-year-old, but we put that pressure on each other. It's really playground politics. Well, as we grow up, we start to learn the rules of the game and we apply to love. What about the politics of relationships? Ever have an eye on somebody who's a good friend to that person? But you can't go the direct route. You may get rejected. So you figure out, I'm going to ask my best friend to get her number. Give it to me. And that's how I'm going to... Because if I go straight, it won't happen. So it's really a lot of political maneuvering there. You get together with a person. Eventually, should you break up, you tell that person, listen, if we break up our little love alliance, all right, you, you, you need to know things are not going to go well for you. You leave this party... You will be destroyed. I will put out the worst pictures taken of you ever. And you're like, okay, that, that, that is a bit of the wrong type of love. It's not really love. It's control. Okay, manipulation. But we love each other that way. Though we may not call it politics, it really is. What about office politics? Many of us will say, well, there's a lot of politics in my office. 
You know, that person wanted the job, it, it became available, but that one over there went behind their back to the boss and eventually not the best person, ah, but they got it through politics. Is politics as capable as a human being? What about family politics? All right. Anybody here that has family politics? Politics in your family. So maybe your brother wants a car and they also need the money that you got. So they're going to get mom to give you a call and the mom's the conversation is going to go this way. Listen, your brother needs a car, wants to buy a car. We know that you just got a raise. You need to give your, mother, your brother some money to buy that car. This is your mom on the line. Do we get it straight? I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. <laughs> Something along the lines of that. And so you say, okay, mom. Mom puts down the phone, phones the brother and says, listen, I just phoned your brother. You can phone him now. Ask him for the loan. He's going to give it to you. And then we're not even going into the laws of in-law type of family politics. So politics is everywhere. The disciples played politics. In Luke 22, verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. We know that James and John, if they set the mom up or the mom just set herself up, went to Jesus, the mom went to Jesus and said, Lord, I want you to guarantee me one thing, that each of my sons will be one on your left and one on your right when you come into your kingdom. You can be the king, but you're going to need deputies. These are the best deputies. They try to play political games because they thought that's the way the kingdom of God is run. So politics are human phenomena and we are political creatures because we're social creatures. The moment you put people together in a group setting and you leave them there for a while, eventually they're going to say, okay, how are we going to run this group? And who's going to make decisions? And eventually politics comes about. So people have put themselves into all different type of political systems from the one side to the other side. You can start with autocracy. That is when one person runs the show. It could be a king, could be a dictator, an emperor, all right? But that person calls the shots. You're seeing that happen right now in Russia. Nobody really wants to go to war with their cousins. The Russians don't want to go to war with their cousins, the Ukrainians. But the dictator wants to go to war for whatever we'll discover eventually. Then you get oligarchy, which is the rule by a few, few group of people. Now, you know, conspiracy theorists, they are convinced that the governments of the world don't run the world. There's a small group of super rich, wealthy, influential people, and they're the ones actually pulling the puppet strings of the governments. Okay? And I think they are called the, um, the Illuminati. Ever heard people tell you about the Illuminati? The Illuminati, they rule the world. We don't know who they are. We just know they exist for a fact. And how do we know that? Because many videos have been made about them. Okay? And of course, videos today have more persuasive power than printed books. Then we go all the way to the better extreme, we would say, and that is democracies, where power to the people, okay, so you rule by the people, of the people, the leaders come from the people, and for the people. But we live in a democracy. Would you say that our democracy is a good thing? Are you, as a citizen, benefiting from democracy? 
Why? There may be some good things, and then of course we can see there's some ugly things when it comes to um, politics, even in democracies. You can go all the way to anarchy. And those are people that say, nobody runs us, we are rebels. We don't fit any norm, okay? We are a law unto ourselves. And then eventually they choose a leader and they form a political party called the anarchists. We go even further to theocracies. That's where people say that God rules us. So every Muslim country tries to be a theocracy. So the Muslims, what they're trying to do is run the whole world, take over the whole world, and put it in submission to God, which of course means God ruling through human leaders. So you find that's politics there again. Some Christians are little theocracies. They don't recognize any power except God. They say, God speaks to me directly. I don't listen to you. I listen to God. Ever come across a spiritual person like that? They prophets and things like that. God speaks to them directly. And of course, ultimately, God and them are one and the same. You can't really tell who's really running this person's life. So which form of government is the best? Is a dictatorship the best? Maybe to have a kingdom, democracy? Well, none of those systems are really good. The only thing that really matters is the character and the competency of those in power, not the system that they use. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the upright have power, the people are glad. But when an evil man is ruler, grief comes on the people. We've seen people rise to power, take over. And you find that that initial freedom fighter fighting for the freedom of his people becomes the new oppressor. We've seen it over and over and over around the world. And certainly we've said it in Africa. Proverbs 28 verse 12. When good people become leaders, everything is great. The easy to read version says, but when the wicked rise to power, everyone hides so, you know, there's so many people that feel that this political party, if we could just vote them into power, they would solve all of our problems. Now, if you believe a political party is going to solve problems, then you're a new arrival on planet Earth. And if you're an old arrival, you've been here a while, then perhaps you don't know very much about really how uh, society is run. So when we judge politicians, political parties... The thing, we should not be, the thing we should be looking for is not necessarily which system they're using, but what is the quality of that person? What is their competency? Are they the best person for the office? And then on top of that, what are they really like? If they're people who've been self-serving before they became presidents, you guess what they're going to do when they become a president. They're just going to be even more self-serving. But if they've been people when they didn't have a title, were helping, when they were just ward counselors, the ward that they were in was run well, that's probably the best person to put into presidential office. Amen. Now here's an interesting thing. Who are the new politicians? And We don't really see them as politicians. They are the technocrats. Those are the people that run Facebook and those social platforms, social media platforms, because they're controlling what can be said and what cannot be said as dictated by them on their own platforms. So they're putting up all types of filters. 
You may say this, but you may not say that. Whenever that something post gets said, they shut it down. So they act as though they are these um, intellectuals, but actually what they are, they're becoming, some of them, are really just becoming dictators. And then we're seeing a lot of changes in the world. A lot of Europe is becoming under the influence of uh, Islam. Of course, democracy, socialism, as they know it over there, is changing. So you're going to see in the next couple of decades, socialism, which is a big thing in some of the Scandinavian countries in Europe, is going to be changing quite a bit. Right? Muslims don't believe in democracy. Muslims believe in theocracy. God rules and Sharia law must be implemented. So that's just for us to open up our eyes to what is really happening around the world. Politics, we know, can go bad. There's a dark side to politics. When the wrong people get into power, people, the population, becomes oppressed. So God spoke about harmful shepherds. Jude 1.12 says, These people are blemishes at your love feasts. These are shepherds who feed only themselves. God is saying over there, certain people, when they come into leadership, they, they are there for personal gain. We see it very clearly in politics, but we see it in churches as well. When pastors become wealthy, when pastors rule, it's like they're little kings in their kingdoms, the church, and yet people run to those churches. Strangely, people can be manipulated. We see that politicians sometimes put people into camps, and politics can be divisive. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got to say something to a lot of the politicians in our country. And this is the thing. Can you stop fighting each other? And can you actually just get on with running the country? That is the reason that you wanted to be elected in the first place. But what our politicians want to do is they want to gather people to themselves. They want to play us against each other, white versus black, rich versus pure, educated versus uneducated, for their political ambitions. And then you find the people that can live together at church. They can go to work, get, um, they can go to work together and live there quite peacefully. Then when the politicians speak, they divide the country. So be, de- be careful of what you hear from a politician's mouth, that it is actually good for our country and not bad. When you look at the Bible, we see assassinations. And the sad thing is we're starting to see some of that in our own country. People who oppose other people are being assassinated. Do you know Jesus was assassinated as a result of a political plot? In Matthew 26, verse 3, we see the chief priests, the elders of the people assembled. They schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. That really was the outworking of a political plot. When we look at Daniel, right, we see Daniel's life. Daniel was actually a politician. Daniel was born into a noble family. He was uh, a noble. He was part of the royalty. That is in his own country. Now, being born into a noble family, automatically you're born into politics because you're going to rule one day. You know, you need to know how to govern. Unfortunately, a bigger political power came, grabbed his country, and took Daniel captive. The rest of his life, Daniel lived as a politician. He served the king. He became a governor. When Daniel was taken into Babylon, he was about 15 years old, 
We assume he died at the age of about 85. So for 70 years of his life, more or less, Daniel served in politics. He was a politician. We think of Daniel the prophet. But when you read the book of Daniel, most of Daniel has to do with politics. In other words, Daniel talks about this ruler coming to power, this kingdom rising, that kingdom falling. This event is going to happen, that war is going to take place, this leader, and it's all about politics. Politics, to recognize, is important. You and I, our lives, the quality of our lives, the decision we make, the laws we live under, are formed by politics. It may be politics on a national level. You can bring it down to the home level, there's politics. The romantic level, there's politics. So you and I need to make peace with politics. What does Daniel teach us about politics? What are some of the politics, the points for politics that Daniel gives us? All right? So let's look at those things. Firstly, Jesus himself spoke to us and he said, get ready for politics. You live in a world of politics. So Luke 16 verse 8, we see Jesus speaking over here. He says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Remember that word, a bit weird, we don't use it today. For the people of this world are more shrewd, second time it happens, in dealing with their own kind than the people, than are the people of light. So what does the word shrewd mean? It could mean, in a negative sense, cunning, sly, deceitful, a manipulator. That's the wrong side. That wasn't what Jesus were, was referring to. There's another aspect of being shrewd, and that is to be wise, to be tactful, intelligent, to put two, to, two and two together. So he says over there, the people of this world are more shrewd than the people of the light. The people of the world know how the world system works, so they made peace living in it. They play the system. They cooperate with the system. The people of the light are not as wise and shrewd. All right? So what did Jesus say over there? While we live on earth, we are part of this world. Not the bad part of the world. We're just human beings on planet earth. We need to be shrewd about how the world's systems work. Not the ungodly, evil systems, that type of world, but the world in general. Daniel knew, so let's look at five things we can take away from him. Firstly, Daniel knew how to negotiate and how to speak to people. So in Daniel 1 verse 8, it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. An order had been given in the dictatorship. The dictator said, everyone who wants to serve me will eat this food and drink this drink. If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for all of you all. Daniel didn't want to do that. Well, if he didn't want to do that, he was defying the king. The king could have his head. But Daniel went to the chief official and said this. Listen, can we talk about this? You know, we Hebrews, we've got our own way. We're a bit crazy. Please just forgive us for being crazy. But I understand you're under a lot of pressure. So could we do this? Just a suggestion. I'm just putting it through to you. Could you give us just 10 days? Let's test this for 10 days. 
We want to eat vegetables because according to our religion, it's wrong for us to eat that meat. We don't want to drink wine. We just want to drink water. Can we test this for 10 days? The chief official said, sure. Now, man, that's crazy. It shouldn't have happened. The chief official is a big guy as well. He could have just went back to the king and said, listen, king, there are a couple of these people. They don't like your food. They don't like your drink. What should we do? What do you think the king's going to say? Have their heads. But Daniel was a skilled politician. In Daniel 2.15, when the issue was, when the decree was issued, chop all the heads off. Again, this king was famous for chopping heads off, throwing people to lions, burning them to death. It's the kind of king you didn't want to defy. When, when he said all of the magicians, sorcerers, advisors, all must be killed, Daniel was one of them. This is what Daniel said. He goes up to the king's officer. He says, you know, this is quite a harsh decree, don't you think? I mean, we don't even know what we did wrong, but all of us are going to be killed. That's pretty harsh. Imagine you were in this position, getting the guy to sympathize. And he says, listen, do you mind if I go to the king? We just need one night. I'm just going to pray to my God. We're going to ask him for advice. And we, if God gives us the dream, I'll give it to the king. If not, you go ahead, you kill us. So can you see what Daniel was doing? He was speaking to people. You and I need to understand that people can be spoken to. You don't just force your way. There's a way to approach people. Here's the way to approach people. Do you want to learn the secret of approaching people? Here it is. However you like to be approached is how other people like to be approached. When something is required of you, you would like to be asked, not demanded. Isn't that so? You would like to be thanked. You would like to be treated with respect, regardless. And that is the same that is true for everybody else. Daniel understood he was living in a system of human relationships. Then the second thing we see, Daniel respected authority. Daniel 4 verse 19, he lived under the next king, Belteshazzar, also another dictator. God gave Daniel an interpretation to a dream. The dream was that Belteshazzar is going to, has been judged by God. He's going to be taken out of power. In actual fact, he's going to be taken out of power that night. So Daniel could have gone to Belteshazzar and says, I told you, you're a ruthless dictator. You just kill people. You ruin families indiscriminately. Well, your time has come, king. Your number's up. God says he's going to kill you tonight. But he didn't do that. Daniel went to the king and says, O king, may you live forever. I wish the prophecy applied to your enemies and not to you. But O king, this is what God says. You've been weighed up in his scales, found wanting. God has removed you from power. You know what King Belteshazzar did? After Daniel gave him those, that very dire prophecy, he said, bring a gold chain, put it on his neck, make him the third highest ruler in the kingdom, lavish him with gifts. And yet Daniel said to the king, God says you're going to be killed tonight. Do you see, Daniel? He respected authority. But what do we do? We don't like people. We're just going to say they're a terrible boss. We don't like decisions being taken. We're going to burn tires in the streets. We're going to block the highways. We will show them who really... Real? That's not power. That's not politics. That's on anarchy. That's anarchy. So we can't drive on the N1 because you want to block the N1 with your trucks. Nobody can go to work safely because you want to throw rocks at us because you have a beef with the politicians. That is not politics. That is anarchy. 
That's rebellion. Don't go to church and lift your hands on the one day and then throw stones the next day. Respect the powers that be. There's a way to deal with it. Do you understand? Daniel respected the powers, the authorities that were in place. Then Daniel gave his country his best. The third thing, three out of five. Daniel gave his country his best. Daniel 6 verse 3 says, He did his work so much better than the other governors and officials that the king decided to let him govern the whole kingdom. Daniel could have said, Listen, I'm a Hebrew, you Babylonians. I've got no vested interest in you guys benefiting from my labor. I'm going to do the level worst I can. Okay, The level best, should I say. I'm going to give you just what I need to give you and nothing more. No. Daniel gave his, that country his best. This is why Jeremiah gave them some wise words before they went into Babylon. This is what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. If it prospers, you prosper. What is he saying? When you go into Babylon, even as a captive, make sure you make that country and that city great. Why? You're going to live there a long time. If that country prospers, you're going to prosper. If the city does well, you're going to enjoy it. Do you understand? So now here we are. We see the boss is making too much money. The manager doesn't recognize you. So I'm just going to do the bare minimum. Really? Well, if that, com that company collapses and you lose your job, whose fault is it? Bring your best to your work environment. Make it great. That's how you get promoted. Then you ensure the long-term success of the company and also the stability of your own job. Wherever it is that you are, do your best. Don't be in a family and you like the you the person that doesn't listen to anybody in the family. You, you've got that uh, in-law or that family member you don't like, so you invite this one to dinner, but not that one. You spend Christmas there and buy them gifts. What is wrong with you? Stop doing that. You treat all your family members the way you would like to be treated. Do you understand? That's why some family members, they'll be invited to lunch at every brother's house or sister. And some will only be invited to some. Why? It's a result of ongoing politics. Let's not live that way. Fourthly, Daniel was a politician, but he didn't resort always to politics. He was a man of faith. In Daniel 6, we see that the issue was, uh, decree was issued to kill all of those who didn't listen to the king. So what did Daniel do? Daniel went and prayed anyway. So here's the principle. We see it in Acts chapter 4 as well. We must listen to God rather than listen to men when the rules of men require us to disobey God. Now, Daniel didn't go to the king. And he didn't say, king, you know, you wanted to make me the chief dog under you. You know, all I've done for you. And he didn't try and get use his political influence with the king. All he did is he kept quiet and went to pray and said, God, this is bigger than me. You know that in within 24 hours, I'm going to be thrown to the lions and I'll probably be killed. But you also see that what is happening is the result of manipulation. People who are trying to get me out of office. So I'm praying, Lord, will you let the right thing be done? And that's exactly what happened. There's a time to engage in politics and there's a time to engage in prayer and to see God's will. 
for the situation, a peaceful resolution. And then finally, Daniel didn't let the rules of human politics guide him in his conduct. He was guided by God's word in his morals. You know, politics can be a very dirty business, unethical. It can require the wrong things of you. But Daniel didn't play that type of game. The Bible says in Daniel 6 verse 4, when they tried to find anything, a cause to get him out of office, the Bible says they couldn't. He wasn't negligent. He wasn't corrupt. They couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. Because Daniel said to himself, listen, to get into office, some people say you have to do that, you have to pay this, you have to... That just doesn't sit right with me. If God wants me there, God will take me there. And if I need to do X, Y, and Z, all those wrong things to get there, then sorry, I don't want to be in office. But I don't want to get into a position of influence or power in a wrong way. I'd rather serve in the, as an ordinary citizen than be a leader if le being a leader means you have to be that type of person. Do you understand? But here's the irony. God made sure Daniel served at the top of his game. Why? The reason being, Daniel was an excellent leader. So here's the thing. You can get through to the top through excellence, or you can get to the top through politicking, okay? Trying to be a political manipulator. But when you get to the top, things will be required of you. And if you don't know how to do those things, as soon as you got to the top, they will take you out. But if you get through the top through excellence and competency, you know how to do things, you'll stay in place. We've seen that in our country. We've seen people, because of certain political alliances, I put my friend into a position, but then all the people say, we don't want that person there anymore because they're doing a bad job. So no matter how much I try and get my friend there, the people will say, get them out there, they don't know what they're doing. At the end of the day, any position that you get into, you're going to have to know what to do when you get there. You can't just ride on the uh, coattails of somebody else. Amen. So, let me ask you the question now. Are you political? Are you a politician? I hope the answer to that is yes, but we need to understand what politics is. It's not what we think it is. Politics is simply understanding that human beings in communal society, there are ways to approach them, the ways we want to run society. If we will learn how to adapt to that society properly, we're not being wrong, we're not being worldly, we're simply human beings that are part of this system on earth. So what has Daniel taught us over the last five weeks? Firstly, we looked at the path to the palace, to the top places in society, it comes through excellence, developing your skill, all right? Every one of us, if we're willing to work hard, bring a lot to the table, we will find that we will be promoted in life. Secondly, the purpose when we get there of power is to serve. You and I, when we get put into positions, it's not a place of privilege. It's a place of responsibility. It gives us an opportunity to work on behalf of other people so that they too can benefit with us for, through the work we do. Then we looked at prayer in the palace. Daniel faced a lot of pressure. How do you cope with the stress of demands, uh, of job demands when you're in high positions. Well, one of the ways that you manage stress is you pray. 
You say, God, so much is required. I don't feel I'm ready for this, but won't you help me? And that's exactly what Daniel did. Then purity. When you come into positions of influence, there's money, there's women or men, okay? There's power, there's fame. How do you keep your head on straight? Well, you submit to God and you live for Him firstly and foremostly. And then the final thing that Daniel teaches us here is about the people and the politics of the palace. Political life is inescapable. But we can live a life of politics guided by God's ways instead of the shenanigans that happen in the way people normally develop a life of politics. Amen. God bless you as you meditate on the couple of lessons that we've been privileged enough to look at in the life of Daniel. Amen. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you for Daniel and so many things that he's taught us. And even today, Lord, we see that he was embroiled in politics, but he was still a person of integrity. He knew, Lord, how to treat people. He knew how people think and how they want to be related to. Lord, help us also you to use that shrewdness that you spoke about, that wisdom and tact, so that we too can walk with other people in relationships where we are a pleasure to relate to. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbathchurch.org.